Hello and welcome to another episode of the official podcast for Redbird Rants, fan-sided's official blog dedicated to all things St. Louis Cardinals. I'm Brendan Vogt. I'm joined once again by Tito Rivera and Nathan Grime, but before I introduce the guys, I want to give a very warm welcome to our site editor, Dr. Michael Miles. Doctor, thanks so much for joining us, and I understand you had a little uh, little editor's intro you wanted to give here. I did, and thanks so much, you guys. Uh, listen, I just wanted to come on, and on behalf of my co-editor and I, my co-editor Brendan, just wanted to say thank you to the three of you guys for kicking this off and for being the spearheads of our official Redbird Rants podcast. Um, I know that the trial run ended up being our first episode, and it needed to be because it was really, really good, and you guys have done an outstanding job. We are really proud to have this opportunity to expand on the brand of Redbird Rants. I've been with Redbird Rants. This is now my second season, second Cardinal season with Redbird Rants. And I've watched it go through different lifespans and really the opportunity to watch it grow and watch it expand. And, and we owe a lot, a very large debt of gratitude to the three guys who are really running the show here on this podcast. You know, I just want to invite the listeners, and I know many of them are already readers of our site, but tell your friends about it. Tell your friends about Redbird Rants. We've got some incredible material up there. Uh, these three authors who are really taking the spotlight in these podcasts give us really intelligent pieces that dive into not just the statistics, but also share their opinions and are willing to go out on the limb and tell people what they think. And there are also some really wonderful guys to follow on Twitter. So make sure you do that because it's a lot of fun. They bring a lot of great insight. And if you like to drink, there's always a conversation to be had with Tito. So um, <laughs> we just wanted to say that we are so excited to have this official podcast. And Brendan and I will be joining from time to time. But we really wanted to make sure that the podcast highlights our writers, gives them another chance to get out there, spread their wings, get some exposure, and certainly bring more recognition to our brand. And so we're pleased with that. Um, the United Cardinals bloggers have started taking notice, the UCB, and I got a good message this morning from what we call the blog father, and he was really excited for us to finally have kicked off our podcasting. And so just wanted to drop in quickly here at the start of tonight and, and say thank you from the editors and um Really glad that we have all of you listeners along. So thanks, guys. Hey, thank you, Doctor. Thank you so much for joining us. And thanks for the introduction. That was really, man, that made me feel good about myself. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, thank you. All right, gentlemen, a nice little warm welcome there from our fearless leader. I just want to add on to that really quickly, if I can. If you're sitting here listening to this podcast wondering, who the heck are these guys? Why should I listen to them? We're just like you, man. We're fans, except instead of going outside, we watch every single baseball game. So keep that in mind as you listen to us. And with that, I am stoked to welcome in once again, Tito and Nathan. What's going on, guys? Doing pretty well. How are you doing? I can't complain, man. It's my birthday and the Cardinals yeah. won. So, you know, there have been worse Happy days. Happy birthday. Thank you, sir. Yeah, man. Happy birthday. Thanks for listening, everybody. Welcome to another episode. We're excited to get going again. Yeah, man. This is going to be a fun one, and we're we're super excited to get into it because, I mean, let's be honest, Cardinals baseball is a lot of fun right now. That is six wins in a row, boys. I believe that's nine straight on the road, 16 of their last 21. Things have turned around, and another sharp win tonight. Yeah, it's it's great to see the Cardinals 
play a great brand of baseball. The team is getting some confidence, especially players like Colton Wong and Tommy Pham. It's going to be a really great series against the Cubs this weekend. Yeah, I mean, the six-game six game road trip here that the Cardinals swept was played very crisply at times, and at other times they had to make some comebacks and get the job done. But either way, a win is a win, and it's good to see the Cardinals in first place. For sure. Not all of these wins have been blowouts, that's for sure. There's been some close ones, some extra inning games, some big-time comebacks. Let's talk about this Marlins series a bit, guys, because it's been a whole lot of fun to watch. Game one went pretty well. It was a 9-4 win, and I think the big takeaway is the big night that we saw from Carlos Martinez. Well, you had a great pitching night from Carlos Martinez, and you can't underestimate what he did at the plate either. Uh, I believe it was four RBIs. It was one of those nights where you kind of just nodded your head and said, that's what we want. He looked like the pitcher from opening night. And that's that's a great feeling, and that's a great sign for things to come for the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, it seems like Carlos Martinez is slowly but surely rounding into form after a rough patch of starts in April. You know, he gave up four runs, but those runs were home runs, a couple of them, and he made some good pitches. He's getting strikeouts, went six innings. That was good to see him go uh, fairly deep into the game. And, I mean, that's, as Tito said, that's exactly what we're expecting, and hopefully that's what we'll see for the remainder of the season. He's certainly one of those guys where you can kind of tell right away if he has it or not, right? And we're talking about his stuff, which is, if you're just talking about pure stuff, his is as good as anyone's on the staff, really as good as anyone's in the National League. But I'm glad you brought up the length of the starts there, Nathan, because that's really the next step, I think, for Carlos, is if he's going to be that ace guy, he obviously has the stuff, but he's got to start going a little deeper into ball games. I think sometimes he tries to make the perfect pitch. He tries to set up the perfect at-bat, as opposed to being as economical with his pitch selection as maybe Molina would like. So I, I think that's the next step for our guy. And that's exactly what he's done in his last couple starts. He had the start against the Brewers, where he pitched into the eighth inning and then the sixth inning start against Miami. And it all has to do, as you said, with how he starts the game. The first couple of innings set the tone for Carlos. You know, if he's walking guys, if he's all over the zone, that pitch count's going to go up very quickly. He won't be pitching as deep into the game as he, Molina, and Matheny would like him to. Well, another thing to take away from this is the walks that he had been giving up in his first couple of games. It seemed like he was struggling with getting consistency with his fastball, which is his best pitch, or at least his his sinker, two-seamer fastball is his best pitch. And when he doesn't get that across the plate, he struggles, and that's when you see the walks start to pile up, and that's when he gets into trouble with this pitch count. His last start was very, very important for him to limit those walks, and he actually only gave up two walks that, that game compared to the seven strikeouts that he had. So definite step in the right direction for Carlos Martinez. But man, I, I'm more impressed with his hitting. I mean, he was just, uh, that was awesome. It was great to see. Challenging Wayno for that uh, hitting crown on the pitching staff. Yeah, I mean, four, like I said, four RBIs. That, I believe it was a, a bases clearing double, the three RBI double to just hit the game off on the right foot. I mean, the Cardinals needed it. Up until that point, they they were not hitting the ball. But as soon as Martinez did that, it just it just opened the floodgates for the Cardinals. And, you know, they put up a nine spot the rest of the night. I mean, 
when you when you put nine runs up on a team, you're more than likely going to win a game, and that's exactly what happened. And they've been scoring a lot of runs, guys. I think you run us through the last six games here. Was it ten runs, five runs, six runs, nine, six? What was it, seven tonight? Yes. So, I mean, yeah. they're fi- they're finally hitting the ball, boys, and we're seeing that lineup produce the way we expected it to, although a lot of that production is coming from players that we probably didn't expect. It wasn't about the Cardinals dominating you guys. It was about a big-time comeback and a really impressive performance from young uh, Magner Sierra. Guys, that speed is something I have never seen before as a Cardinals fan, a young Cardinals fan. And we saw it change the game in the ninth inning. He singled on a ground ball squibber to the pitcher, A.J. Ramos, that would have been an out probably if not for Sierra's speed. But he forced a throwing error, reaches second, and he scores the go-ahead run. This is fun, gentlemen. I'm not sure I've ever seen an infield single and an error be that exciting. But uh, what were your takeaways from, from Sierra's performance? Yeah, I mean, he adds an entirely different element to the Cardinals team that we haven't seen for years. I mean... Usually we see these Cardinals teams kind of built around, you know, either hitting with runners in scoring position, as we saw a few years ago, or just hitting long balls right and left like we saw last season. But Sierra kind of adds that speed, which then adds that element of excitement on the field, and it seems like everyone just buys into that right away. And even in the eighth inning, the inning before, he had that infield single. He had that, that slap shot to left field that would be a single for pretty much anyone else on that field, but then he goes to second base on the throw-in from the outfield. That kind of just jump-started jump started the team, and they score four runs from there to tie the game. One thing comes to mind for me, and that is that this is the type of player Colton Wong should have been at this point. I don't know if you guys get that feeling, but that's how I envision Colton Wong being. So to see somebody as young as Sierra come up be a catalyst for this offense, especially in the eighth inning, just as you pointed out, Nathan, that's awesome. I mean, to see that kind of speed on display and for him to make that kind of slide he did in the ninth inning, you don't, you can't teach that stuff. Those are, that's just kind of the intangibles of baseball that you cannot teach. You either have the speed or you don't. And this kid has it. My nickname for him is officially the Dominican flash. That's it. I'm calling it now. I'm about it. I hope that sticks. Me too. (laughs) The Colton Wong is an interesting comp there, Tito. For me, one of the things he reminds me of was what I was expecting from Jason Hayward, or at least what I was sold. Maybe not the the quite same level of speed, but it's been a long time since the Cardinals have had production on the base paths, or a guy who was a real threat to steal bases. We kind of thought we were going to get that with Hayward. We saw flashes of it, but nothing like that, right? I mean, I had actual goosebumps, you guys, watching him slide into home. Yeah, I think Colton Wong and Magnera Sierra are different players, similar in that they have speed. Jason Hayward and Magnera Sierra are also different in that Jason Hayward kind of, you know, he hits more home runs, more extra base hits. But, I mean, Sierra is kind of in a league of his own, is the way I see it, especially on a Cardinals team that has lacked that type of player for so long. The, the Wong comparison, I see it as far as like they're built the same way. They both have the potential for speed, although we haven't seen it from Wong as much as we've seen from Sierra in week number one. You know, I'm kind of in that camp that thinks Colton Wong can be more of an extra base hitter and even kind of a power hitter at times. You know, if we see him swinging for the fences all the time, that's probably not good. But Wong is, has been doing well this season and he's been hitting extra base hits. 
Uh, he's struggled a little bit on the base paths. We haven't seen him steal that much. But it'll be interesting to see how Sierra develops and whether or not he he kind of molds into the type of Cardinals player that we see often when we thought that Hayward would be stealing a lot of bases. We thought that Wong would be stealing a lot of bases. Or if they just let Sierra go, let him run, and that'll be a lot of fun to watch if they do. The, the Wong comparison I made isn't necessarily about being the same type of player. My comparison was more so uh, the leadoff hitter with some speed baseball player. Because let's be honest, if Sierra's not batting leadoff here sometime soon for the Cardinals, something's wrong. Either he's injured or he's not on the team, which that will not happen after this uh, performance that he's put on the last couple of days. But he, I envision Sierra being the leadoff hitter for the Cardinals sometime soon. I know we have Dexter Fowler, but I mean, you can't, you can't ignore the kind of speed that he has. You know, Dexter Fowler's not getting any younger either. So, you know, if Dexter Fowler can transition to a two-hitter with Sierra in front of him, that's that's dangerous. That is, you're asking for a lot of hit-and-run opportunities, a lot of stolen bases, and and some serious run production. Well, hang on to that thought there for a second, Tito, because we do. I do want to discuss the future of this Cardinals outfield, both short-term and long-term. But before we do, we got to talk about you know another outfielder that's making a splash. Obviously, the Cardinals called up Tommy Pham, and he has been. I mean, spark plug is like an understatement. Dude's hitting four seventeen with three home runs already in just how many games is that, guys? That he's played in six games back. He started all six on the road trip. Six games back, and he looks incredible, which is. Perfect timing for us after we <laughs> after we were yeah. down on him in our first ever podcast. <laughs> yeah. So new strategy, Sorry. you guys. When things aren't going well for a player we like, just dump on him on the pod. Gritchick. And then expect, I'm coming yeah, for there you, you next. <laughs> yeah. Gritchick, you're trash. <laughs> we all stated in the last pod that Tommy fans' call-up would be necessary with all the injuries to the outfield. But long-term, we didn't really see him as a solution for the Cardinals or a long-term fixture. Again, obviously, he's not quite as young as everyone thinks he is. He's a guy who's seen a lot of major league pitching, but has had a lot of stints down in the minor leagues. But man, if he's going to play like this, that is a whole nother story. Nathan, what did you see out of Tommy Pham these last six games? Tommy Pham, since he's got the call call back to St. Louis, looks like he wants to stay here for good. Uh, He's gotten all six starts in the field, and obviously that was out of necessity since Biscotti went on the disabled list, but... I mean, Pham's hitting his way into the lineup as it stands, and I think it'll be interesting to see how long he sticks with the Cardinals. I think we're at the point now where once Jose Martinez is ready to be back from the disabled list, that he probably goes to AAA because of Tommy Pham's emergence. Uh, Pham is hitting the ball well, obviously. He plays a good defensive outfield. He can play all three positions. We've seen him in center. We've seen him in left. I think left field's a good spot for him, especially since that moves Gritchick over to right field, where it always seems that he's uh, Gritchick is comfortable out there and right. So yeah, Pham is an exciting player to watch, exciting hitter to watch. We've seen him have these types of streaks before in the major leagues, and I just hope he can keep it going. Tito, you're 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 kind of a Pham guy. I'm sure you loved what you saw. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine this? You you call him up, but do you imagine that Tommy Pham would be before tonight's game would be hitting 450, nine hits. Three of those were home runs, six RBIs, 
you can't really ask for anything better. His on-base percentage is, you know, 542 coming into tonight's game. That's just that's just incredible. And Nathan, you 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 are right on it again. It looks like he wants to stay. I mean, you can't underestimate his beginning with AAA, the numbers he was putting up, and as soon as he gets called up, what does he do? Hits a home run. I mean, that's just translating his early season success into the major leagues. That's what you expect out of your young players. And this is a guy who's a veteran who's seen major league pitching and has been able to produce. And now he's doing it again. And uh, it, it just seems that Tommy Pham is playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. I don't know how you guys feel. Maybe that's because of the Matt Adams ordeal in left field. But he just seems like a completely different player than what I'm used to seeing. You know, that's kind of the sense that I've always gotten from Tommy Pham. He's always seemed a little, he seems very competitive. And I don't want to, it's not necessarily a bad attitude or an all about me guy, but he's certainly a player that believes in himself, believes he should be starting in the major leagues. And if he's playing like this, he's got a pretty strong case. But yeah, he's always come off to me as that kind of player, Tito, real chip on his shoulder. And I think it's because he's a little older. Again, we he's it's easy to think of him as like 24, 25, but he's not. He's much closer to 30. And he's a guy who's been waiting a long time for his shot. And now he's got it. Quick side note, what is in the water in Memphis? And can we just send the whole team down there for like a week? <laughs> I feel like yeah. we're just calling them up. Because yeah. Some, something else is going on down there, but kudos to those young guys because that's what the Cardinals need. They need the talent, and you know, not all of our guys are going to stay stay uh, in their primes forever. And you know, we're looking all you know, you as a team, as a major league team, if you have the talent, be ready to call them up. Do not be afraid to do that. And it seems like year after year, the Cardinals are really, really good at that. Someone goes down, they call someone up. It seems like everyone is always envious of the Cardinals for that. But yet, year after year, they, they've done it. I mean, they call up Magnaris Sierra from high A-ball. And really, the reason was because, yes, he had a good spring. Yes, he's an intriguing prospect, but he was already on the 40-man roster. And that was easier than having to you know put, put someone else on the roster, take someone off, something like that. And he's he slid in and produced. And Tommy Pham has has produced in the major leagues in previous years, but here he is again and he's had probably the best major league week of his life. So I mean it's it's good for the Cardinals that they have guys that they have confidence in down in minor leagues and I mean they'll have to continue that this season. So let me ask you guys this about both Tommy Pham and Sierra. Have you guys noticed anything that has worried you? Well, for me with Sierra, the obvious worry is Billy Hamilton, right? He's really, really fast. He can clearly affect games with his speed. Can he get on base enough? You know, obviously, he's way too young to be having any sort of real discussion about this, but that's just something for me I'm keeping my eye on with this kid. You know, the speed is nice, and speed never goes into a slump, but oftentimes speedy hitters do from the plate, so he's got to get on base to impact the game. Agreed, and that kind of revisits the point that Tito made earlier that, you know, could he be a leadoff hitter for the Cardinals even this season, perhaps? And that will all be contingent on his plate discipline, whether he can draw walks. He's drawn a couple of walks in the Marlins series, and that was good to see. But he's also up there ready to swing, and his pitch recognition will need to improve. Obviously, this is the first time he's faced Major League pitching in the regular season. 
So yeah, I mean, he's gotten some base hits. That's good to see. Let's see if he can continue it. And one thing I noticed with Sierra is in a couple of his at-bats, and this is purely out of observation too, is that he has a tendency to maybe step in the bucket a little bit and open up his hips. Usually when it comes to left-handed batters, major league pitchers are going to exploit that, and they're going to throw off-speed away, change-ups away, sliders away. There were a few swings and misses at pitches low or low and away, but he also went to left field with right, three, that, two or three of his base right, hits. Right, that base hit that he had yesterday, it, it did go to left field, and that's that's what I like to see. I know a good hitter is, when I see a good hitter, it's because that hitter can go to to the opposite field. It means they're staying on the ball long enough to be able to drive it that way. So that was actually pretty impressive. Right, and it's clearly his intention in the batter's box, right? I mean, even the little pop-out he had tonight in the ninth inning, I think it was, um, that, that that's what he was trying to do, right? Slap one the other way. And it to your point about Colton Wong earlier, Tito, you know, that's the kind of thing that a player like him should be doing. So it's nice to see an even younger player in Sierra uh, seem to understand that it's all about the right approach at the major league level. And on that point of slapping the ball the other way, we haven't seen Sierra bunt for a base hit. He's squared around a couple of times, and he kind of had that swinging bunt in the ninth inning of the second game against the Marlins. But if he can establish that as a threat, bunting for a base hit, especially down to the third base side, you're going to have that third baseman playing in shallower on the grass, and that'll just open up even more opportunities for kind of slap base hits the other way. Sure. Tommy Pham, you guys, do you think we can expect this to last? Obviously not an OPS of like 1500, but is Tommy Pham a viable major league option from, you know, going forward? I think from what we've seen this week, he can be. And I was reading an article kind of about his, his situation with his contact lenses and his eyes. And it seems that he's kind of fixed that up this season. So I don't know if he'll be a completely different hitter at the plate, but he's driving the ball. Well, pitch recognition has been Pretty good. We've seen him strike out a couple of times, but I mean, that's going to happen over the course of a season. One thing I really like about Tommy Pham is a lot of his base hits have gone for extra bases. You know, in his career before this year, it was something like 42% of his hits were extra base hits, and over half of his hits already back in this in these last six games have gone for extra bases, whether it be doubles or home runs. Um, and that's and that's good to see. That means he's driving the ball and uh, exploiting exploiting the holes in the outfield. I think the old, you know, proverb or adage of you got to play the hot hand comes into effect here. If Tommy Pham continues to produce, you can't take him out of the lineup. And will it last? Much to your point, Brendan, probably not. But I'm willing to stick it out and see how far I can ride the pony. Right. So I think the question becomes, guys, you know, what happens when that outfield is fully healthy again, when you have Martinez, like Nathan touched on earlier, and Piscotti, you know, ready to go, are either of them able to stay in that scenario? Nathan, you mentioned you'd prefer to see Martinez be sent down. Uh, How do you think this situation shakes out? I think that probably Piscotti is the first to come off the disabled list between him and Jose Martinez. And I mean, it'll be interesting for sure. I don't think Pham goes down once Piscotti comes up. As, as much fun as it's been to see Sierra, uh, you know, and what he's done in the last couple of games, he's probably the first one to go, especially if Dexter Fowler can finally get back in that starting lineup in center field. But I don't know. I mean, if Sierra keeps producing the way he has, that, that would kind of perhaps force the hand of, of 
John Mozeliak, and and he might you know make 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 a bid for staying on that roster longer than anyone expected. I think when it comes to both Tommy Pham and Sierra, the obvious option is that Sierra is going to return to probably high A. Actually, I'll I'll one up that and I'll say that Sierra. You'll probably go down to double A. So Springfield, Missouri, get ready for a great show. When it comes to Tommy Pham, though, it's not so obvious because, again, like we, you know, we've been saying all episode, he's just producing, and you can't, again, you can't underestimate this kind of production right now when you have a division lead. So when Piscotty returns, it's going to be a battle for who's going to get playing time in left field. Another option the Cardinals have as far as rosters are concerned, they've been carrying eight relievers for some time now, and they could you know, possibly send a reliever down to the minor leagues once one of these outfielders returns. Which reliever that would be would then be a completely different discussion that we could have. But that's another option to maybe keep in mind, and I wouldn't be surprised if you know, when either Biscotti or Martinez comes back, or Johnny Peralta's also might be coming back fairly soon. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe see a reliever go down as a as a position player who's returned to the roster. That's a good point, Nathan. Um, they may just want to buy some time here and get a read on uh, just how hot Fam is, just how long he can keep this going. I do want to mention really quickly, he's obviously playing great, and there's no reason not to have him in the lineup every game right now. But let's let's just acknowledge that Tommy Fam is not a 400 hitter or a 1500 OPS guy. This has been amazing. And this is wonderful, but I, I I do stand by our earlier points from that last pod for sure. Yep, and this kind of reminds me of Aledmus Diaz's start to his career last year, where he was hitting like 450 through April. And yes, we all knew that Aledmus Diaz would not be a 450 career hitter, but he ended up having a fine year. He ended up hitting 300, and that was even you know he missed some games due to a thumb injury. He was on the disabled list after getting hit, and I mean he ended up having a good year. It wasn't a 400 batting average, but he's still was a fine hitter over the course of the season. And, you know, if Pham continues to produce a couple of things that might arise, maybe you move Pham up in the lineup. He, you know, Matheny's kind of been looking for a two-hitter. Pham could fit that bill. I Yeah, you can't expect Tommy Pham to, to hit 450 the rest of the year. He's a 257 career hitter. So he's going to regress somewhat. I mean, not, not all, you know, not all these starts are going to be are going to carry over for, you know, a couple months. But I do expect him to compete. And he's, he's like I said earlier, he's playing with the chip on his shoulder. So I expect him to go out each and every day, take quality at-bats, and who knows, maybe he, maybe he has a, a year like Aledmus Diaz, and, you know, he comes down from 450 but stays at 300. Hits 17 home runs, hits 20 home runs, drives in, you know, 60, 70 RBIs. You'd take that, wouldn't you? Certainly. Certainly, yeah. And again, in that scenario, it would be tough for Sierra to stick around on the Major League roster. And it sounds like none of us expect him to. But that doesn't mean, guys, that we haven't gotten a glimpse of, A, not just what this guy can do, but also be how the organization feels about him. We've been reading for quite some time now that they've always felt he has a higher ceiling than Bader, although Bader is much closer to being a major league ready player was what I had been reading. Ironically, it's Sierra we see first. But with that in mind, guys, I feel like we have there's a new discussion to be had here regarding Harrison Bader, Randall Gritchick, and some trade opportunities. 
And it's something that, you know, the doctor wrote quite well about last night. I think it went up on Redbird Ranch this morning. Yeah, I mean, Dr. Miles did a great job of pretty much explaining that, you know, with the emergence of Magnair Sierra, where are the trade opportunities for the Cardinals? And that's something that, you know, I've been kind of pondering myself. It's pretty, it's pretty eye-opening. You have a, you know, you have a couple prospects such as Harrison Bader and Magnaris Sierra. And, you know, Gritchick, you know, while he's not a prospect, you know, you can play his upside. But if there was ever a time to trade Gritchick, it's right now. He's probably, unless he has an absolutely crazy rest of the year, his potential probably isn't going to ride out much longer. You're probably seeing, you might be seeing the best out of Gritchick. So the doctor kind of puts those scenarios to work and, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for somebody to, to get dealt. And he kind of goes into saying, you know, Adam Wainwright hasn't been the same guy. Maybe the Cardinals package a couple outfielders together, some prospects and a pitching prospect because they have plenty of those um, and go out and get, you know, somebody worth uh, worth Adam Wainwright's spot as a second or even an ace. Nathan, what do you think about the possibility of trading for a starting pitcher? Because the more I thought about this after reading the Docs article, you know, the more I thought, I'm not sure where the Cardinals should look to improve right now. As it stands, yeah, as it stands right now, it doesn't look like the Cardinals really had a glaring need in the outfield or in starting pitching. Yes, Wainwright's been disappointing, but I mean, he's, he's not on the hot seat for his rotation spot, you know, right now. And, yeah, the Cardinals have outfield prospects. They have pitching prospects. Uh, it seems like the general manager will kind of play his cards close as far as, you know, how he wants to perhaps use those as, as trade pieces or where he sees each individual fitting into the picture for the Cardinals in the future. Um, an interesting note, you know, at the major league level, the Cardinals have Steven Biscotti and Dexter Fowler. Locked up long-term, five-year contracts each of them. And uh, Randall Gritchick is going to be arbitration eligible pretty soon. So it's kind of like that one outfield spot is the only one that could maybe see some fluidity or some turnover, whether it's you know this season or in next season or the next couple of years. Um, so Gritchick is probably becomes expendable if you have the confidence in Harrison Bader or Magnaris Sierra to be a starter in the Cardinals outfield here in the future. As far as the starting rotation is concerned, uh, Mike Leak is locked up. Carlos Martinez is locked up. Uh, Walk is going to be his arbitration this past year and next year as well. Lance Lynn will be a free agent at the end of the year, and Adam Wainwright still has a couple of years left on his contract. And then the Cardinals do have starting pitching prospects in the minor leagues as well. I don't think it's terribly likely that the Cardinals make a move for a starting pitcher this year because you have Alex Reyes waiting in the wings next year, possibly for a rotation spot. Uh, but if the starting pitching implodes and they need that, then it's they do have the pieces to make that deal if, it's, if it becomes a necessity. So I'm curious, guys, because I agree with you, Nathan. I, maybe if there was a stud available on the market in terms of starting pitchers, you roll the dice. But it's, again, it's not a glaring need, as you pointed out. So I was trying to think about where else on the roster they need to improve. At one point, third base seemed to be a discussion, but man, as we've talked about before, there—I mean—you got to keep Jed Jerko on the field, man. That dude is scorching hot. 
He's been the offensive MVP of the Cardinals so far this year, no doubt. Yeah, he, no he's, doubt. Been, he's been a, a pleasant surprise. He's played the field well. He has been consistently hitting, not just for power, but also for average, which I have knocked him time and time again for because he is, remember, he's a 243 hitter and he's hitting, what, I think above 300 right now, 330 something. So for him to be doing that, uh, props to him because I had no faith in him and I'm starting to get a little bit of faith, but uh, he, he's been doing a great job. And sorry, Johnny, you're on the bench. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I don't think there's much reason to think that Jerko's not going to be the starting third baseman for a while, at least this season. What Jerko's been able to put together through the first month and a half or so has been exactly what he did down the stretch last year when he hit like 22 of his 30 home runs after the All-Star break. And yes, he's hit, I think it's six or seven home runs so far this year. But he's also driving in runs with runners in scoring position. That average is up there, so he's not just a uh, home run strikeout hitter. It's been really nice to see, and yeah, he's fitting that four-hole really well for the Cardinals. Well, yeah, in the last two nights, he's had two two-run RBI singles late in the game as well. Yeah, guys, for sure. Jerko's been a stud. And really, the more you think about it, I mean, there's not a lot of glaring needs for this Cardinals team. I was racking my brain for the first few weeks of the season trying to think of ways they can improve, where they should improve. But I don't know. The roster, as it was headed into the season, looks fairly complete. And the guys got it turned around right now, and they're hot. So as long as they're playing like this, I don't see a reason for them to improve. Tito, is there any spot on the roster you think they really need to, you know, they really need to make a move here? No, I would say no because I, you know, I wrote an article saying third base needs an upgrade. While that, you know, it's not, it would be nice to have a player of, you know, a Donaldson, Longoria, or Frazier caliber. Jed Jerko's been very serviceable, has done an excellent job. So, no, in that regard. I think if there's maybe one need for the Cardinals right now, it could be some stability in the bullpen. Uh, the back end of the bullpen is actually. Uh, kind of been put together pretty nicely is with that Rosenthal and O duo in the eighth and ninth innings. Uh, they've been holding down leads and closing out games pretty well recently, especially on this past road trip sweep. But kind of the middle innings, the the, uh, the swing innings, if you will, from that transition from the starting pitcher's exit to the bullpen is has been in in kind of a, a flux here recently. Brett Cecil has been struggling. You know, he's been scored upon and in all three of the games that he was called upon on the road trip. And also, you know, Jonathan Broxton doesn't really have a, have a defined role as far as, you know, is he a late-inning guy? Is he a, is he a trash-time guy? Uh, Miguel Sokolovich has been hit around a little bit. Uh, Sam Tuivalala has been good. He got his second win of the night, uh, excuse me, the second win of the season tonight. I'll be uh, looking to see how this bullpen kind of takes shape as the season goes along. I don't think the guys in the pen right now end up being the guys in the pen at the end of the season. You know, those roles, aside from the eighth and ninth innings, will probably change as the season goes along, too. If there's a move to be made, you know, nearing the deadline, I think a bullpen arm would really help this team. You know, the name that has been thrown out there recently is Kelvin Herrera from the Kansas City Royals. He would look great in the Cardinals uniform, in my opinion. 
And I like that idea, Tito. I think it's a, but I think it should be a contingency plan for if Brett Cecil doesn't yeah, turn this no, thing around. Yeah, no, I completely right? agree. Because if he's right, right. Because obviously, if he's the guy the Cards hoped he was when they signed him, then you do have your seven, eight, nine ironed out pretty good. Man, it's it's an intriguing thought. Things sounded pretty different a co- just a couple weeks ago, guys. But yeah, this team seems is complete too much. I'm knocking on all the wood right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do it. <laughs> And they're not going to be firing on all cylinders like they have this past week all season. But the question will be whether they can sustain winning streaks, stay in first place. That's that's how we can decide whether this Cardinals team is complete or not. That's an interesting conversation, guys, because this NL Central looks a little different than we expected to head into the season. The Cubbies are struggling, uh, but the Brewers and Reds are not going away, not just yet anyway. So the division looks really tough, but at the same time, the Cubs look vulnerable. So this will be interesting. Tito, you know, what do you make of the division so far? Do you think the Cardinals have a chance of winning this thing? I always think they have a chance of winning it. Realistically, I think the the Reds and the Milwaukee Brewers are definitely outperforming themselves. Neither of their rotations is good enough to last 162 games, or at least at the current rate they're going. But they're playing good baseball. There's no doubt about it. You know, Ian, even if the Pirates had Starling Marte, they would be playing pretty good baseball still, too. I mean, the Central Division is, I, in my opinion, very underrated. And, you know, I kind of think they're the best division in, in baseball right now. Maybe outside of the AL East. Um, but I think I think the, the Central Division is up for grabs right now. And what I'm looking forward to in uh, something that I mentioned in my latest piece uh, about the May, May schedule is this Cubs series coming up this weekend. If there was ever a time for the Cardinals to put some distance between the Cubs and themselves, it's now. You have to go into this series in in St. Louis coming out with at least two victories. Exactly. Beat the Cubs while they're down. You know, there are 500 teams through the first six, seven weeks of the season, so while they're struggling, while they're reeling a little bit, just keep putting the pressure on them. And I don't know, the comment you made about the division being the best in baseball, I, I would kind of just tweak that a little bit and say right now they're the most competitive division in baseball as far as top to bottom. They're separated by like three and a half, four games or something like that. And it, yeah, it's up for grabs right now. It'll be interesting to see how long that lasts. I think the Cardinals and Cubs will rise to the top of that group. The Brewers and Reds will probably end up below 500, but... I mean, they're being competitive right now, and that's that's fun to watch. Yeah, I don't think they're going to win the division necessarily, or at least I wouldn't <laughs> pick them to. Yeah. But a wild card is a very real possibility for this Cardinals team. And uh, this Cubs series should be huge for them, guys. So you already know that we'll be on here with another episode to talk about that one. But I think, guys, we're out of time here. So I want to thank you both for joining me on the second episode of the official Redbird Rants podcast. Tito, go ahead and shout your Twitter handle out one more time, dog. Yeah, go ahead, guys, and follow me at Triveratops. That's T-R-I-V-E-R-A-T-O-P-S, Triveratops. Looking forward to any questions you guys might have. Um, and uh, go Cards. It's been a great, great last six games. I'm definitely excited for this weekend. Cannot wait. Nathan, where can they find you on Twitter, dude? Twitter handle is at Nate Grime, N-A-T-E-G-R-I-M-E. Usually tweeting during the game, so if you're looking for some hot takes, I usually got them. Mine is at BVOT422, that's B-V-O-G-T-422. 
I tweet a lot about basketball, so you probably don't want to follow me. <laughs> but make sure you follow the website's account. It's at FS Redbird Rants. And give us a look over at RedbirdRants.com, part of the fan-sided network. Guys, it's been a lot of fun. Hopefully the next time I talk to you, we still have a win streak going. But for now, thanks for coming on, boys. Thank you. you. Thank you for listening. That's Nathan. That's Tito. I'm Brendan. We are St. Louis. We are fan-sided. Breeze hits it in the 